It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the number 20th ranked football podcast in the United States of America, the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And Joe, this is two days in a row. This is the highest I think we've been on any iTunes chart. Although when we first started last February, we got way up there on the iTunes sports charts. You remember that? I do remember that. And if uh, you want to keep help pushing this, I think you can set your podcast, wherever you get them, to automatically download every morning. That would help us out a lot because that counts towards the listenership. And I think the iTunes charts are based on some mysterious algorithm that largely weighs, I believe, subscribers. But if you don't listen on iTunes, don't worry about it. We have 70% roughly of our listeners that listen on an Apple platform. But I don't care where you listen as long as you do. And we really appreciate every single one of you, especially those of you that interact with us on days like today and Mailbag Friday. We've got some questions to get to later on in the show, including one that's going to prompt our opening five-minute discussion. One lucky question gets five whole minutes of attention, although most of them probably do. But this one gets the first five minutes. And before we get into it, just another quick reminder As a number 20 football podcast in the United States of America, I would be remiss if I did not remind you that we have an opportunity for you to advertise with us. It's relatively affordable compared to radio, compared to TV especially, and we reach a lot of Bengals fans, a lot of people in the Cincinnati area. Our reports on Megaphone, that's what we use to publish a podcast, say that we've had 25,000 unique listeners in the last month. So just something to think about, you know. Somebody DM me today, and if you do, I can get you the information, and we really do appreciate those sponsorships. You heard how much love we had for Abco Safety when they sponsored us three times, but we have questions to get to, Joe. Let's get into it. First question is from Earl Michelle, and he asks, what position should the Bengals target in free agency but not target in the draft, and what position should they target in the draft but not in free agency? This is a very interesting question to ponder as we head into the offseason. It forces you to consider what are the strengths of the draft relative to where the Bengals are picking as far as we believe the draft board will fall, which you can only project so far. First, second round, maybe the top of the third. Of course, the Bengals are picking at the top of the third, so maybe you can have an idea of who might be available to the Bengals on day one and day two. 
But then we know who are going to be free agents. We know who is said to be franchised because Jenna Lane told us from ESPN a few days ago this week. We've gone through all of the free agents that are available on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Joe, what are the strengths of free agency? What are the strengths of the draft relative to free agency? Obviously, one is that quarterback is going to get addressed right away at pick number one. And that's right, because it's also a strong free agent quarterback class. So it, it kind of works against the Bengals there. If they wanted to go out and sign a free agent quarterback, that would be a lot of money. But when you pick number one, that choice is pretty much made for you. On the other hand, if you look at where else the draft is really strong, it's at wide receiver and cornerback. Now, you wouldn't say the Bengals have a pressing need at wide receiver, but they have a future need at wide receiver, potentially, with A.J. Green and John Ross on the last year of their deal, if if Green is franchise tagged. So drafting a receiver at some point could be beneficial for that. Corner may be a big need for the Bengals. That may be one where they go into free agency and the draft. We talked about that with the linebacker also. Maybe they go into free agency and the draft to acquire two players there. I think the one position they probably end up staying away from, not by intention, but because the draft is weak there and because free agents get overpaid on the, in the open market, is that offensive tackle. They already paid Bobby Hart. They drafted Joan Williams last year. They like Fred Johnson. If they wanted to go out in a free agency, they'd end up spending 12 to $16 million on a guy that's just above average at best. And the draft class really doesn't align with pick 33 and 65 and getting a guy that can come in and start for you. Yeah, there's a chance they could pick a tackle, I think, at 33 specifically, especially if a Josh Jones falls out of the first round, for example. That's kind of the last guy that we would have graded in the first round because there's four that are likely top 15 picks in Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, and Mekhi Becton. Although Becton could also fall. There's a chance. I doubt it after the way he performed with the Combine, but there's a chance. Regardless of that, do you really want to spend that 33rd pick on a tackle when you might get a guy that you have in your top 15 at wide receiver corner? And those being very valuable positions. And there's an easy argument to say that wide receiver isn't just a future need. It's a pressing now need too, because John Ross can't stay on the field. A.J. Green will be on the wrong side of 30. He's going to be 32 this year. He hasn't played a full season in over two years. So you can't really rely on either of those guys while you expect them to be on your team. Very easy to look at this roster and say, if either of them goes down, you're suddenly dearly lacking speed on the outside, lacking a dynamic outside playmaker. Can't really rely on Auden Tate and... Tyler Boyd again, but then you look at the free agency class and it is sparse. Are you going to go break the bank for Robbie Anderson for an Emmanuel Sanders? I don't think so. I think one guy that might make sense if the deal is right is Brashad Perriman. But as Joe said, the class in the draft is very strong relative to free agency. Now in the other direction, Joe, I would say is interior offensive line. If they wanted to address the right guard position, there's ample opportunity to do so in free agency this year with Brandon Scherf, Joe Tooney, Graham Glasgow, some other options down the list as well. And I think it's a really good interior defensive line free agent class. There's a lot of guys that were drafted three and four and five years ago that are hitting the free agent market in their primes. Guys like Andrew Billings for the Bengals, that'll probably be a, a decent commodity for another team. But 
there's maybe 15 or 16 of those guys floating around this free agent period if they all don't get tagged. But And then and you, you look at the draft class, the way the guys tested, and there's still some questions, this defensive class, defensive tackle class, isn't as strong as you would like it to be, especially in round two. And the last position we haven't really talked about is safety, where we wouldn't expect them to double dip, but I don't think we would be surprised if they got one guy. I don't think they're going to be playing for the services of Anthony Harris or Justin Simmons, who might be franchise tagged. I, I don't even think they'd be in the Haha Clinton Dix or Trey Boston market in free agency, but there's a chance that the value's right at some point in the draft. A lot of ways they could go with a lot of needs on the team, and free agency will tell us where they're going to go in the draft. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go. Not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona, take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's the Mailbag episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, and we are jumping right into it. First one here is from G. Will, and this is a comment from iTunes when he reviewed us, and we said, if you review our show on iTunes and give us a rating and stars and all that, ask a question, we will get to it. So that's your best way of getting your question answered. And Will asks, or is it G. Will? I don't know. Will, let's go with. Great show, Jake and Joe. Can the two of you speak on linebacker Willie Gay Jr.'s combine, also Alton Robinson and James Smith-Williams combine numbers, which are eerily similar to Carlos Dunlap? I wouldn't mind another Carlos Dunlap, huh? but I'll talk about Willie Gay because I'm looking at the PFF most important combine drills by defensive positions piece that went out during the combine, and they've got some very advanced math that I'm not going to get into, but I understand the chart. And this chart says the most important thing for linebackers that correlates with NFL success is a 40-yard dash, the broad jump, and the vertical. I'm looking at Willie Gay's spider chart now over on mockdraftable.com, and would you look at that? The things that Willie Gay is really good at athletically is he ran a 97th percentile 40-yard dash, a 93rd percentile vertical jump, and a 99th percentile broad. Now, going down the list in terms of importance, the three-cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle have some but less correlation with NFL success, and Willie Gay was dead on average in those areas. 
So what does this tell us? It tells us that he's an average, averagely agile. That's a mouthful to say, but he's an averagely agile athlete with great burst. And PFF says that's the path to success. The other thing that PFF says is that when you have a great 40, a great broad, and a great vert, that will overinflate your draft position. So look for mm. Willie Gay to maybe be picked a little bit earlier than we might have thought, especially with, I think I heard Daniel Jeremiah said today, or I didn't hear it personally, somebody told me he said, that the character concerns for Willie Gay Jr. might be overblown. It sounds like he has some academic issues, which is certainly serious. I don't mean to diminish that, but it wasn't violent stuff. It wasn't criminal. It was academic issues that, that had him suspended. And if that's the case and teams are comfortable with him, this yeah. could be a surprising second-round pick. Yeah, I think he could. And uh, we've got two defensive ends that you ask or, or you suggest maybe similar to Carlos Dunlap. Well, the biggest difference between James Smith-Williams and Alton Robinson in terms of size, they're both about 6'4", 265, a little bit smaller than what Carlos Dunlap is. Dunlap's in the 6'5", even plus range, and I think now he's at like 285. But, uh, you know, he probably played, played around 275 for most of his career. For James Smith-Williams, though, he ran really, really fast. So uh, I will start with him. 6'4", 265, 33 and three quarters inch arm. So you like to see the arm length. Ran a 4'6 flat, which is 93rd percentile. Pretty good for him. Um, broad jump, which shows explosion, was in the 88th percentile. He didn't do great in the three cone and the shuttle, which is typically what you want. You'd love those guys to ace those uh, for typically for high-end pass rushers. You like to ace the, the three cone and the shuttle. Guys like Carl Lawson did not, so you can still win in different ways. You you like to watch the tape of those guys and say, okay, do they have an inside move? Do they have a power move? Because they're probably not going to bend the edge and get around the corner. Um, so that's what I would look for with with, with James Smith-Williams. Um, comparisons for him, Ryan Kerrigan, 90%, and Whitney Merciless, and Justin Smith. Those are the top three. Marcus Davenport, also 80%. Those are pretty good comparables. Yeah. This is for James Smith-Williams. Um, so those are those are guys who have had success without having really good um, cone and shuttle drills. Alton Robinson, again, 6'3", 264. He had shorter arms at 32 and 3'8". He was at the Senior Bowl. I did watch him. He ran a 4.69. His vertical was better than Smith-Williams. That was at 79th percentile. His broad jump, 73 percentile. His three cone, like the get player before him, 36th percentile. But for Alton Robinson... His, his shuttle was in the 76th percentile, so he might be a little bit more agile. One of the top comparables for him is Yannick Ngakwe, which I really like. Ryan Kerrigan comes up for him also. Shaq Lawson, Justin Smith, because these guys tested very similar, so we're getting yeah. some similar players up there. But with Alton Robinson, when you watch him, he was very productive also at Syracuse. Um, had a lot of tackles for loss, had a lot of sacks. Uh, there's highlights from him from last year, and I don't mean – 2019, I mean, 2018, where he was really good. And then he didn't have as good of a year last year, I believe, and maybe got lost in the shuffle. If he's a third-round pick, that's a solid take for a third-rounder in terms of he's got the production, he's got the athleticism, his tape's pretty good. He went to the Senior Bowl, had two sacks there. I like him for a mid-round pick. I hadn't heard of either of these players until we got this question. Next question, though, comes from Jack Fleming, Alpaca Death Trap, one of my favorite names on Twitter just because of the absurdity of it. He asks, it seems like a lot of the other Lockdown podcasts only have one host. Why did we go with two? And he goes on to say, he has some accolades for us. 
I think that's why your podcast does well. Your back and forth makes it entertaining and informative. Well, thank you for that, Jack. Um, it the the show was offered to me after James Rapine left it, and I didn't want to take it alone, uh, largely because I'm not great at staying on task and doing all the hard stuff and doing all the um, so, uh, sorry, Jake, but some of the mundane tasks that Jake is really good at, and that's not a shot at him. He is. He's very organized, and we've worked together on other projects, whether it was um, film analysis or, or just uh, coming up with a grading chart and grading sheet to grade Bengals players. And we did a few things in the past, and I said, well, let me reach out to Jake and, and you know see if he'll do this with me. And right away he said, yeah. So uh, that's how that worked out, and I'm, I'm glad he's, he's here doing it with me. Uh, we, we, we developed a grading system together, not just a chart. Right. The yeah, I didn't grading mean uh, to undersell you... it there. What's that? I didn't mean to undersell it. Yeah, the grading chart that you've refined significantly since then, and yeah. now we're doing something totally different for our draft evaluations. This has been a, a mostly collaborative effort, even with the community as well, not just Joe and I, but mostly Joe and I. Um, we've had some help, though, uh, significant help for for certain positions, especially from different people that we have had on the show that we've talked about on Twitter, so... It's it's nice to have a bit of a community brewing for Bengals content creators, and I was very glad that Joe asked me to do it. I, I I do think that you're right that the back and forth is more entertaining and more informative. The episodes that I have to do alone are sometimes very challenging, and mm. Joe, I'm sure you feel the same way. Yep. It's it's very hard to just talk for 25 minutes. Um. Easier to do video stuff, I think, but that is not our platform. Our platform is this podcast. Yeah, I keep the video stuff when I, do, you know, write for the Athletic once a month. It seems like now, but uh, yeah. Next question here is from Nick Green, and he says, "Reverse mailbag. Anything that we want to ask our listeners?" And I do. I've got a, a trivia question I, I thought of while Jake and I were were passing ideas back and forth, and I'm going to include Jake in here so you guys can try and see if you can answer while Jake stumbles through this. And we're using RAS, which is Relative Athletic Score. So these are combine numbers. And this is from MathBomb. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's perfect for this time of year where you can see which guys are actually testing like great athletes and not just look like great athletes on the field, which you want both. So there are three guys in the Bengals history with a t- perfect 10 RAS, Jake. And they're all drafted. Lower, I should say the oldest one was drafted in 2000. I'm sorry, 1993. I don't want to confuse that. So 1993, and then in 2003, and then 2008. So I'm giving you a little bit of hint there. Jake Fisher? No. Oh, you said 2008. You told me the years. So I wasn't even listening. Yeah, 93, 03, and 08. I don't think that helps me. They, they... 03 draft. Yeah. Start there. Okay. I can't, I can't remember. You can't cite that. Okay, so we've got a tight end. We've got an offensive guard and a defensive tackle that move to guard. Steinbach? Eric Steinbach is a perfect 10, 2003 out of Iowa. All right, got one. How about that, huh? Wouldn't you love a perfect 10 guard and, at pick 33 this year? And and he wasn't very good after he left the Bengals. I mean, he was good, but he, he wasn't you know as good as he probably could have been. Maybe that's just because of the Browns. But they had a good right. offensive line. Yeah, they did. That was a really good offensive line. All right, so 2003? That was 03. So we have an 08 D tackle and a 93 tight end. 08 D tackle. And he moved to guard. 
Oh. What's his name? Late round guy. The guy that Mike Brown... Yeah. Or no, this isn't the guy that Mike Brown wanted to play a defensive tackle. No, that was Chris Harrington? No, that's this isn't him. This is Jason Shirley out of Fresno. Yeah. Remember him? Fifth rounder. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Well, I, he did... They did move in the guard when they needed someone. That was on Hard Knocks. I so couldn't remember do... his name, but I, I knew the guy. And then 93? And then is, 93. Is what position? Tight end out of Michigan. Second round pick. I have no idea. This is Tim McGee. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Course. No, it's not Tim McGee. It's Tony McGee. I don't yeah. want to... There is two of them, so yeah. it's Tony McGee. I didn't even look. Of course. Yeah, Tony McGee was athletic. That's so tough that, those, those are your three... Um, Perfect 10. So I hope if you were playing along there, if, if anyone got that. I wonder if there's there's some definitely older guys that are like, oh, I know the tight end is 93. But yeah, you... for sure. I was five. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I was six. What? Uh, so, so if I had to guess, though, like the best athletes without knowing the years, I would have guessed like Jonathan Joseph would have been close. I would have guessed. Uh, I don't even. I don't know. Some of the more recent ones. Let's uh, let's about, just do this. What about like Peter Warwick? Right. I I don't see him at the top here. So some of the recent ones that were really really good athletes of, let's say Marvin Lewis era, Marcus Hunt, um, Jordan Willis, Malik Jefferson. You may say, well, this isn't great, but Leon Hall's next. He was a great athlete plus a technician. That's why he was so damn good. Uh, Keith Rivers, Jake Fisher, Clinton McDonald, Josh Shaw, Chenidum and Duque, Michael Johnson. Reed Fraggle, man, Reed Fraggle, Andre Caldwell, Chris Perry, John Ross. This isn't sounding great. Joe Mixon, Geno Atkins, Medea Williams, AJ Green. So these are all the guys that are like nine plus, and right there we're only at nine point three. So there are, I mean, that's how you get Geno Atkins and AJ Green, right? You got to be a great athlete. You can't just be one or the other. We have a lot more questions to get through. We're way behind schedule, and we'll get back into them in just a minute here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jumping back into the mailbag from Chubby Wilson, he asks or says, I've been watching college highlights of Darius Phillips recently, and the dude was dynamic. Given that he played well in the final stretch of the season, what do you all think is the potential of, of Darius Phillips moving forward? Sky's the limit, right? He could be a starting outside corner. He has excellent ball skills. We saw the ball production last year, getting his hands on balls, getting those interceptions. He led the team in interceptions and like 200 snaps, less than 200 snaps, I think. So I think that there's a, a great ceiling for him. He's a good athlete and, mm-hmm. and he's has ball skills. And if you have those two things, you can make everything else work at corner. I'm very excited for him. I just, just like, I don't want to trust without any other option, Michael Jordan at left guard or Fred Johnson at right tackle. I don't want to trust Darius Phillips without any other option. He's had some injuries, and there's just there's a chance that he's a flash in the pan. I mean, look at William Jackson. And I'm not saying that William Jackson isn't going to bounce back, but he was great the first time he got on the field, and since then he has not been back to that form. 
and Jackson has the pedigree, so we think he can bounce back or maintain it if he ever, you know, gets to that range. Darius Phillips was a fifth-round pick out of a Mac school. Um, while I loved his tape, man, he scored 14 touchdowns as a cornerback. That's pretty crazy. crazy. Uh, but he also he, he caught one as a receiver, had a bunch of returns as as kick and punt returner, as we saw that him do that this past year. He also tested very average and has very average size at, and you could say below average size at under 5'10", 193 pounds, uh, 31 and a half inch arms, ran a 4.54 at the combine. I mean, that, those aren't great numbers. It doesn't those. All those would suggest he probably doesn't have long-term star potential, but I think more than likely the, what he's shown on tape so far that he should be able to, to start and be an outside corner. And he's even played in the slot his rookie year. So I, I would give him the shot. I'd give him a shot to battle it with another rookie, right? I would sign a guy in free agency. I'm talking if we lose Denard and um, Kirkpatrick, I would sign a guy in free agency and I would draft someone in second, third, fourth round and say you compete with Darius Phillips to start. Does he look unathletic, though? Like, I'm very mm-hmm. surprised to hear that he tested poorly because he looks fast. He looks agile. He's definitely it was just a the 40. Small. It was it's just a 40. Okay. He, didn't, he didn't do everything else because I believe he had a hamstring issue at the time. He did much better at his pro day. Yeah, but what was his does. pro day time? Uh, I don't have it on me, but I remember it at the time because I liked him pre-draft. Because if he goes down into the 4-4s four at, his, at his pro day, just like if, if uh, Cam Dantzler... At his right. pro day at Mississippi State, if he goes out there and runs a four four eight, he's back in the second round conversation. Not not for the Bengals necessarily, but if they trade back, sure. The combine times are weird this year. This year, more than other years, I think will be seen with a little bit more forgiveness because of this nine o'clock. Who's running a forty yard dash at eleven at night? You know, it's it's different. It's weird. It's not apples yep. to apples with previous. It's, yeah, I don't know. That's the end of my rant. Next question comes from Brian Paris. Hey, Brian Paris on Twitter. How many wins is a healthy A.J. Green worth? Are those wins in addition to or factored into the stat about teams with eight or more one-score losses a previous season? How many wins do you think Joe Burrow, by comparison, is worth? Now, the data will say that wide receiver isn't a high wins-above-replacement position right you can get a lot of production out of a lot of receivers uh but quarterback is very is the biggest it i mean it can range from and you know uh, like andy dalton last year to if you got a quality starter just a guy that's like 16th in the league to 10th in the league which say we expect burrow to be 20 to 10 for the next two years um that's worth two to three wins uh, going off my memory here um which you know would be great that's we're talking about four or five wins at that point but i think for aj green some specifically is he has a huge impact it's more than what the analytics will say because he turns when you look at Andy Dalton splits is my argument here with AJ Green without AJ Green his numbers with AJ Green he looks like an average starting quarterback without AJ Green he looks like a guy that's probably um, vying for a job or, or backing up in most places and if that difference in that quarterback that's 32nd to 16th is two wins, well, then A.J. Green's worth that two wins if those splits are solely because of A.J. Green. I'm not sure they are, but I, that's the type of impact I think he has. So if we say one win for A.J. Green and two for Burrow, that probably gives you three wins on the same exact roster. I think that they factor in the, the, the way he changes the defense a little bit, but I don't know that it does an adequate job because a lot of it's based on availability for him. Like it's availability and grade, right? So if you go mm-hmm. back to 2014 or 2015, maybe when he was healthy the whole year, 
I want to say, yeah, 2015, he played 1,000 snaps. He had a 90.4 grade. It was PFF's fifth highest graded receiver. Yeah. Compare this to 2017, when he only played 852 snaps. His, his PFF wins over replacement was 53. So they're saying, 0.53, sorry. So they're saying he's worth half a half win. win. So if you add 150 snaps and you add eight points to his grade, his best year is probably still less than a win, right? right. It's probably maybe eight-tenths of a win. And I think that in A.J. Green's best year, he's probably worth at least a win, a win and a half. And, and that's mostly because of the way he changes the offense. So maybe he's not that kind of guy anymore, right? So maybe at best he's worth half a win into his 30s. And, you know, that's a sobering take to to look at, but that's how much the receiver actually impacts versus his replacement level. Just because the way that this works is who's touching the ball, and it it doesn't Mm -hmm. factor in the way that he changes the the way the defenses play around him, I think. I think that's the biggest gap. I agree. And that's why wins over replacement isn't really a great metric in football, the way it can be isolated more I mean it can be totally isolated in baseball mm-hmm. and in basketball with only five guys on the court and the way that analytics have advanced in basketball it's much easier to do in football I think that we're still pretty far away from really understanding the value of players when they're not involved in a play like right. directly. yeah I'm with you completely on that um next question here is from New Day Dusty at Dusty Balls 08 has a bad combine ever made you think less of a prospect, but then he still went went on to have a great NFL career? I don't know that he's going to have a great career in total, but we don't have to go back that far to remember Orlando Brown with the Ravens. He got wiped off of draft boards entirely mm-hmm. because of his combine. He came in and he's an above average starter at tackle. Yep. You have a list of some guys, right? Some. Well, I do. Average. I was. Th- well, obviously, Vontez perfect. I was thinking mm-hmm. of other Bengals players that um, that uh, you know tested poorly and you know went on to be okay. And a lot of times, you can look at these guys and say, "Well, the combine doesn't matter because look, Vontez perfect had a great career." And you would say, "Yeah, but he obviously wasn't a great athlete." And number two, you could tell he didn't prepare for it. Andre Smith didn't prepare for it. And these are kind of guys that throughout their careers, even though Andre Smith had a long career, never really maximized his potential right never reached his potential um so there are a few guys that like uh i'm looking at the list i'm trying to find them but i can't see it right now auden tate that's one auden tate recently tested horrifically bad i called him a tree based on his his um chart because it was just up and down he's tall and he's big and everything else was a zero percentile but you can see he could make plays he went in the seventh round because of it it does affect their draft stock, uh, but you can still end up being a good player. It just, it's going to hurt you. And then the other guy is Willie Anderson, who didn't test well. Obviously, in my opinion, I think he had a Hall of Fame career. I think every Bengals fan would agree. Next question comes from Andrew Wells at andwells89. And he has some anxiety, I think, about quarterback. There's some fear. And I think that this is not the most uncommon thing. I think people that listen to us are ready for a quarterback. But Andrew Wells asks... How does the Burrow to a comparison compare to Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning? Is there any risk, in your opinion, that Joe Burrow turns into a Ryan Leaf? 
Sure, there's always a chance, and no player is 100% going to hit. Um, you try to eliminate factors and risks at every pick that you can. Um, usually, if you're picking top five, you are got, you have guys that are high on potential, high on the tape, high on character and the testing and every, everything you look for in a draft prospect and very low risk. But as you go, you're going to accept more risk as as it works. But the thing with quarterback that makes it more risky is that these all of these guys get pushed up. They all the every team needs one that does need one and they're willing to forego a little bit of value in order to get their quarterback, right? So that's how you end up drafting these a uh, Ryan Leaf and you overlook some of the issues. You can ask us, have we overlooked some issues? Yeah, probably. One year of Joe Burrow um playing at this type of level even though he, I don't consider him a one-year wonder because I used to use that phrase for guys like Cam Newton or Mitch Trubisky that only actually played for one year. The defense never got the chance to come back and play them again the following year. For Joe Burrow, for me, in my opinion, he played one year, got better in year two. The defenses didn't have an answer again in year two for him. Uh, so that's kind of a different story. The hand size, the arm strength, these are typical knocks you would have for a guy who didn't have the amazing tape and production that Joe Burrow has. And so we're weighing it when we do it. When you make a decision, you you weigh it. And I, I think overwhelmingly it's going in favor of the positive side with just a slight bit of red flags for risk. And, you know, I, for in terms of Leaf and Manning, that could happen. You could end up taking the right guy or the wrong guy. But remember, Manning went one and Leaf went next. So maybe we're getting Manning. Yeah, you hope so, right? I mean, I think that the risk is just so mitigated by everything that he does well. And we, we've we talked about it, but it's when you watch how he plays, the hand size doesn't show up. The mm-hmm. arm strength barely shows up. It, right. it does show up, but rarely. And and the rest is great. And And from what we've heard, he's one of the best highest character guys that that the Bengals have ever met one mm-hmm. of the guys saying that he's the best combine interview they've ever had so I don't think that there's much of a risk that he goes full Ryan Leaf but we do probably want to temper our expectations here a little bit our last question asks how many wins is Joe Burrow going to be worth the best quarterbacks are worth two and a half to three wins and I think that we shouldn't be expecting a massive leap but the rest of the team is going to transform, and, and that's what they need to do. They need to build the team to support the young quarterback, and they have the funds to do so. So we'll mm-hmm. see if they address all that correctly. What's our last question here? It's from Chico Ruiz, and he says, or asks, would you refuse to trade pick 33 to an AFC North team? For example, if Jordan Love were there at 33 and the Steelers made a nice offer for the pick, would you accept it knowing you might be giving them their next franchise quarterback? And I just want, before you jump in, Jake, no, I would not trade that to the Steelers under any circumstance. No, I wouldn't either. And the thing is, the Steelers wouldn't even get on the phone with the Bengals to ask because if it's Jordan Love who's available. Especially if it's for a quarterback. Yeah, if it's a guy that's going to replace Roethlisberger, they're not going to call the Bengals because the Bengals are going to say no. They're going to try to call the team behind the Bengals if the Bengals make a pick because everyone knows the Bengals aren't going to take a second quarterback. So the Mm -hmm. risk for the Steelers, if they wanted to move up at that point to try to draft Jordan Love, and if Jordan Love is there in the second round, the Bengals phone is going to be ringing off the hook, Mm -hmm. I think. All night. All night. Because that's when they get to reset their boards and somebody's going to sit there and say, you know what? We should go get this quarterback 
because some team is going to convince themselves that he's Patrick Mahomes and that they can make him into the next big thing. And maybe they're right, but you never trade that to the Steelers. And if you did, if the Steelers call me and they're like, Hey, we want to trade up here for, for Jordan Love. I would tell him, you can give me your next three drafts and I'll write. And, and you can try to make it work with a quarterback and no drafts for the next three years. And they're going to they're gonna hang up, and that's going to be the end of the conversation. Yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't even entertain it. Nope, I have no interest. How about like five years of drafts? Cripple the franchise. Well, I wouldn't even get that far. I wouldn't even let them offer me anything. When I answer the phone, I would not talk to them. They'd have to send me a text message that I accidentally read that said, we'll give you next year's first. I'd be like, ah. Uh, you know, we'll give you this second rounder and next year's first. I'd be like, ah. Uh. But I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't even want to talk to them. It would take, it would take more than another team is a point. But no, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, especially for a quarterback. If it was for, I don't know, I just do you, do you see division teams trade with each other in the draft? Mm. I can't really remember it ever happened. Now I'm going to go back and look after the show. Have a listener find. I'm yeah. sure there's someone out there that's like, you know what, this happened one time or a few times, and here's, they'll send us. Here's my question for the listeners. When have division rivals traded draft picks with each other on draft day in the NFL draft? A couple notes here to close on. Uh, there's an article up on Bengals.com that says Rodney Anderson's having a really good rehab. So that's great. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I'm excited for positive news about Rodney Anderson. Would love to see him healthy and play for a season. That would be really fun. Amen. And... Uh, you said that I'm really good at the mundane stuff. Yeah, but uh, you're still you're stewing on that? No, I'm not stewing. I just want to clarify that it's it's not really like... I mean, some of it is mundane, like putting in our advertising timestamps so that our advertisers yeah. know we're doing it. But I'm also doing all of our production. And yeah. so it's not all just mundane stuff. Production isn't necessarily mundane. Yeah, I didn't mean it in a negative way. I, I once know. told my wife she was very good at organizing and, and planning everything, and she was mad. So, well, I'm not you, your wife. I'm not mad. Well, you just you just did that, Jake. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I meant it as nicely as I could, oh. that there are a lot of hard things and definitely technical things is what I should have said that are just way over my head. Jake's like, oh, no, I know I do that. That that That's all I wanted the people to know. Yeah, is he does a lot of the hard stuff. The technical stuff. Yes. But we all know that we're you're all listening because we're such a great dynamic team. And uh, that's why we do the podcast. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, another week closer to free agency. Next week's a pretty dead week. So we're going to we're going to do some free agency prep at some point in the week, but between the combine and free agency, now that we've kind of wrapped up our combine talk, it, it gets to be a little slow. So we'll have mock draft Monday coming your way in a couple of days here get into some new scenarios to talk about. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad 
free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.